The Flintstones get married, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson go to England, and the Ninja Turtles are back and better than ever this week on 30-20-10. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to 30-20-10, the Laser Time Network's weekly pop culture time machine, taking you on a lovely journey across the milestones, anniversaries of our pop culture past, 30, 20, and 10 years ago. Get it? 30, 20, 10 years ago. 30, 20, 10. Hi, I'm one of your hosts, Chris Antista. Who else is with me? I'm Diana Goodman, and I am suffering from Changnesia. <laughs> and I'm J.R. Rawls, and I'm here for, uh, uh, don't say revenge, don't say revenge, don't say revenge. <laughs> Revenge. <laughs> ah, good. I understood all of those references. I can't wait to talk to you about some of the stuff this week. We are still in like the some somewhat of the movie doldrums, but I rediscovered something I can't wait to talk about and tell you guys about. Uh, once again, thanks to our patrons at patreon.com slash laser time. Five bucks, bunch of extra podcasts over there, over 100 movie commentaries, hundreds of extra podcasts, new stuff about Superman, Star Wars, Tootsie, 48 Hours, Video Game Apocalypse. Thank you. Plugs go bye-bye. Welcome to 302010. Recording to you this week, February 3rd through the 9th, and we'll be looking at three decades, 1993, 2003, and 2013. All the cool little bits and bobs that came out in the, uh, in, in that period. Movies, TV, music, and more. Let's begin with news, which we had a little bit of a dry spell, so I put in something that doesn't really have a finite date in that the mainstream is becoming aware of RuPaul. There was a big article written about her around 30 years ago this week because Supermodel, the song, that Shantae, work, that song has been out for a couple months and has been, but has just been a gay club phenomenon, but a massive phenomenon that is slowly leaking into the charts to the point where mainstream, she's getting mainstream coverage for the first time. So the rise of RuPaul is kind of in this window around 30 years ago. The song never really gets past like 50, but like, uh, work. Cause that's out as a single. Her album is out in uh, next, uh, like late this year, but like super yeah. supermodel is slowly getting radio play, uh, among the straights. So the mainstreamification of RuPaul, which I saw in this article that was not trying to be offensive. It is the first hit song from a, I'm going to change it to Crossdresser just because I don't know what the term is, and I don't know enough about Sylvester, a musician who had a hit in the 1970s and is no longer with us. I don't know how they identified, but for mainstream <laughs> mainstream pop culture, that was, hey, it's the first transvestite singer since Sylvester, and I don't have any context for that because none of us are that old. Yeah, well, I have no idea how Sylvester identified, except that... Uh, I think, it, I mean, at the time, I'm pretty sure it was he and that he was out and yes. proud and gay. You have heard the Sylvester's big hit a million times. Yes. You make me feel my real. Yeah. And I mean, and but, if but they were around now, who Sylvester knows was dead but... long before those identification terms existed. Oh, yeah. So I have no idea how they would have identified. I just thought it was worth noting in a week of slow news. The rise of RuPaul is a fun thing to mention because as of right now, carrying terrestrial television on multiple stations. So yeah, go RuPaul. It, uh, Drag Race moved to MTV this year. Did it? It's amazing. Yeah. It keeps moving up from logo to VH1 to MTV. <laughs> Where's it going next? And why won't they warn me? Because my DVR doesn't understand. Work. So let's move into movies of 1993. 
we got three movies to talk about. Uh, first up, Sandra Bullock, Nancy Travis, Keith Sutherland, Jeff Bridges in The Vanishing, a remake of a French thriller? Dutch film. Dutch film. Yeah, yeah we have two remakes of uh, European films, one a lot better than the other. The, the Vanishing, 93 is a remake of Vanishing, or Spurlus, 1988. And it's one of those where it's like, well, this was a big hit overseas. Just hire the same guy and just make him do it again. <laughs> <laughs> and that rarely works well. And mm -hmm. in this case, it works quite poorly. It is even having like such a good cast. Just, nah, it just doesn't hold a candle to the original. It's just like, why Why are you bothering with this? And I, I didn't watch it, but I just read like it underwent much Hollywoodification, including a very happy ending, which anybody who liked the original film will be pissed off by. Yeah, but there I mean, was the, potential yeah. here. Yeah. I, yeah, I watched the very beginning of it, and mm -hmm. the, at the start of it, there's this super, super creepy scene where uh, Jeff Bridges is practicing how he's going to abduct someone, and he does it mm -hmm. again and again and again, practicing the motions, mm -hmm. and it's just like, yow, that's a killer opening, and then it's all downhill from there. <laughs> it just, it doesn't keep that level of tension and ickiness and grossness and it just gets too silly by the end mm. honestly yeah but yeah i mean the the basic story is uh Kiefer sutherland and his girlfriend sandra bullock are just you know hanging out there on a road trip or something and she just vanishes and he tries to figure out what happened tries to figure out what happened a lot of time goes by he can't figure out what happened and then he is contacted by her kidnapper who's just like y you want to know what she went through i'll do the same thing to you Whoa. and he's like okay it doesn't go great that's usually a no that's a call the cops moment mm. dumbass yeah it's just it's disappointing yes critics didn't <sighs> like it uh and there's oh, a superior think. original out there so if you really care that much about our thoughts on the vanishing check out the original and yep. uh, to follow up on something i've mentioned several times about richard gear being the biggest movie star in an alternate universe where i am not watching those movies of uh, <laughs> James Earl Jones, Bill Pullman, Jodie Foster, and Richard Gere in Summersby. After seven years at war, a long-lost soldier returns home. Welcome home, Jack. Certainly have changed. Better. He says he's Jack Summersby. Bobby did Let's do sizes smaller now. And he's claiming her. You are not Jack Summersby, so why do you keep going on pretending that you are? As his wife. How do you know? I never loved him the way that I love you. Richard Gere, Jodie Foster, Summersby. Why, why are they using the Robin Hood slash Disney home video music in the <laughs> Summersby movie? I, shenanigans. I was hoping someone would point that out. Shenanigans. Yeah. Because it's uh, it's a sweeping romantic period piece. That's mm -hmm. why uh, this is a remake of the 82 French film Return of Martin Gare. Um, again, French film getting remade here. And uh, but they update it, they make it post US Civil War, and uh, yeah, it's a story you know because um, it's like the most controversial Simpsons episode, yes, it's or Don yeah, Draper, it's, yeah, it's or Don Draper's origin story, mm -hmm. yeah, where it's like there's a guy he goes, he's he's a bit of a dick, uh, his wife doesn't even like him that much, he goes off to war, he comes back, and he's like a different person, he's like a great guy, and she's in love with him now, but everyone is suspicious, of, like, what what's the deal? How did your feet get smaller in two years? Like, I'm not sure you're the same guy. And it's like, no, he might have switched places with a guy. But then it's like, well, did he kill that guy and take his life? 
dun 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 mm. this one throws in some stuff because it's reconstruction about like him being the only person who's not a dick to black people again if you're gonna <laughs> have a confederate as your protagonist apparently it's a law they have to be the anti-slavery confederates that's like the only confederates you ever see in movies there's never yeah. one who's like slavery was awesome that's why i fought i do not yeah. know that confederate character no but uh yeah but he's also turned out he's a deserter and then there's a big trial of like is he who he says he is does it matter because he's a good guy now rare heel turn from bill pullman not used to seeing mm -hmm. bill pullman is like not a good person it's, i mean generally it's romantic it's like yeah the question is like does it even matter who if he said who he says he is if he's like a good guy or could this all just be a con job maybe he goes from town to town doing this who the fuck knows so and, yeah and, 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 like pretty watchable a huge hit i remember this movie yeah. being one of those movies i like shuck and jive past in the video aisle like i'm not watching <laughs> summers v but uh, what is it? A hundred and hundred and forty million dollars of nineteen ninety three money off a thirty million dollar budget. Richard Gere is a big movie star for movies little boys don't watch. Summersby, I never got to check it out, but oh boy, did I reconnect with an old favorite, <laughs> uh, like potentially near thirty years since watching it. And... I am shocked. This movie has such a bad reputation, right? And it has like an 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. And then I watched it and I laughed my butt Thank off. Thank you. Undeserved. There are a number of jokes in this that still hold up. That are great. Mm -hmm. That are absolutely great. And a bunch of funny jokes that don't hold up just because you won't get the references. But still, if you were there, it's funny. And an unbelievable cast, including William Shatner working with Tim Curry as bad guys. William Shatner as bad guy. Please, more, more. And starring... I think it is first starring role, really. Samuel L. Jackson and Emilio Estevez. Number one in the box office, it's Loaded Weapon 1. Pay attention. It's more shocking than the crying game. Wilderness girl. More romantic than the bodyguard. I want a home, a family, an occasional spanking. More big stars than the player. It's bigger than Watergate. It's bigger than Oprah. And better food than Alive. See it, or you'll miss it. It's National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1, rated PG-13. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Loaded Weapon, which I should say National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon number 1, because I'm not going to get on a hill and call myself a giant National Lampoon's fan, But it, it, and I did see there were some movies before this that I had not seen, but National Lampoon doesn't typically do parodies on this level. They do wacky... No. Yeah, I feel heightened this was reality. Their first one, I think there might have been one a little, er but a real small National Lampoon's movie, like when the magazine still existed in the early '80s, like that kind of thing. But this is full Naked Gun for the Lethal mm -hmm. Weapon Die Hard 48 Hours crowd, and it hold as much fun as I have watching those movies as part of this show because of their cliches. This movie revels in those cliches in a way I think works real well today, and I'm surprised people were so down on it. Because I, I, I was a little kid and I loved it, but like I watched it with a buddy. Like, yeah, I haven't watched that in over 25 years. We laughed our asses off. It was fucking great. I agree with you. Mm -hmm. I think it is a recommend if you love those movies. I don't think it's at the level of The Naked Gun, and I think that's what 1993 audience were maybe, uh, comparing it to. Maybe because that's I rewatched Naked Gun recently. Oh, yeah. Laughed my ass that's off. Holds up amazingly well. This is, is good. It's not Naked Gun good. But it's it's no. like Naked but Gun. It's not epic movie bad. Yes, it's no, not. It's, God, no. It's not one of those type of movies. It is 
but it's like literally for fans of what they're parodying and, and they're paying close attention and you get all the beats of one of these movies in this comedy movie making fun. It, it looks like it has a high budget. Some of the stunts and action sequences, if you like explosions and car chases, they're just there. Uh, <laughs> like with jokes in them. It's, I thought this was amazing and deserve, and it, you know, it wasn't even that unsuccessful, but it was shit upon by critics and never got a sequel despite that presumptuous name, I thought it was great. I would have loved to see more National Lampoon's movies more like The Naked Gun and less like Van Wilder. Yeah. No, I was speaking of uh, return on investment, cost about $8 million, made about 50 I mean, it, it's it's made on a budget. I mean, you're, who, who, who else are your stars? John Lovitz and Kathy Ireland, which that is a gag. I'm so glad someone is finally done. What? I didn't realize it was done 30 years ago. The take off your glasses and let down your hair and oh my God, you're beautiful. <laughs> become a different but in woman. this case, she starts out as Elise Beasley from Moonlighting and then, yeah, takes off her glasses, <laughs> takes down her hair and she's Kathy Ireland for the rest I of the wonder, movie. What, did her, what was her name <laughs> on the call sheet? Like ugly pre-Kathy Ireland? Like <laughs> that's what you're playing. But yeah, it's great because they both have like these such high squeaky voices. It ends up like, ah, no, okay, I'm fine, sure, whatever. But yeah, you know, it's a rogue cop and a cop who's too old for this shit. And yeah, Samuel Jackson sounds so like he does comedies, but you're right, this is starring ish. Starring, for yeah, him. he's on the poster. Yeah, this is he wasn't really in the starring role, but you could say he's. The, at least the co-star. He's the at Danny least. Glover of this Lethal Weapon parody. He's yeah. in the movie that yeah. that much. And he looks so young. He's so skinny. And I still, oh, I, he's a baby. I'm like, wow, you baby, are not like, the actor I remember. It's it's he's one like of my forty something, but he looks like a baby. I found at least one line that I repeat just because I love the scene so much. It's like we're being followed, and the camera cuts back, and there's two guys in ski masks in the back seat of their car. And he's like, "Don't look." I'm going to try and shake him. <laughs> Does a U-turn and they're gone. It's <laughs> So my favorite line, which I've done multiple times in real life, is he holds up a pair of matches and says, these matches say you're lying. And then they open up the matches and inside the matches, it's just handwritten, you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> I've done that in real life multiple times and it always gets a chuckle. It, I, I got to tip my hat because unlike a lot of these other movies, if you like these cop movies, the cameos in here are all the character actors from like JT Walsh pops up for no reason other than that. He's in a ton of these Paul Gleason basically plays his character from Die Hard. The guys from chips on their motorcycles on a second floor shootout, like <laughs> so good. And, and I had to admit while I was watching it, I saw this movie before I knew who Bruce Willis was. There is a, ah. there is basically a John McClane cameo in this movie, making fun of Die Hard uncredited that is just bruce willis playing john mcclain and i totally forgot about it but i remember the lines verbatim no problem no problem <laughs> i it's amazing how how young i was when i saw this but now that i mean it's kind of through 30 2010 we just watched 48 hours on um uh 80s in depth you get to see what the the, the chief parodying himself in yet another movie from 48 hours it's it's fucking great and that Scotty yeah, cameo it, out of nowhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, uh, one of the things that is weird and, and dates it is how how crammed in the basic instinct and silence of the lambs parodies feel. They they really do not feel organic no. at it, all. That wasn't the 
Yeah. They're, they're still funny because we do still at least remember those those scenes. You know, it's yeah, it's not like epic movie or something where it's like, and now it's a jumper parody, and it's like no one fucking remembers jumper. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. Uh, but I I, I realize we ha- hold a special position for this movie is going to work on us because we spent the last three years watching what it's in depth, what it's it's parodying. <laughs> but like maybe yeah. you have too. I thought this got a yeah. I remember this being regarded as shitty, and I you know it was one of my personal likes that I had on tape. Uh, I loved it. I thought it was awesome to revisit. I thoroughly recommend watching Loaded Weapon One if you've been on board for those type of action comedies. I think that even if you haven't recently rewatched those movies, but you grew up with HBO, that the jokes are still going to land still just good. because those movies have been so ingrained on you that nothing they reference is going to be weird or off. I remember Jr. making fun of a movie with a. Dandruff shampoo commercial parody of which this has one and it's good. <laughs> the guy's foot on fire. Like I still loved it. It was much better in this movie. Yeah. I, I think even if you like aren't super familiar with, uh, you know, specifically lethal weapon or die hard or whatever, general cop movies, like all of these cliches are still fucking in use. So yeah, even if you don't get the very, very specific Selson <laughs> blue ad joke, <laughs> And th- this is yeah, this is still, mostly. I mean, just the idea of they're like putting up, uh, you know, the tape. This is like wet blood. Be careful, or you know, putting up so much police tape that it's like a. Spider in in web the background, they're limboing under the police tape. Like the background <laughs> gags are, I think, sometimes more solid than in the Naked Gun movies. And yeah, there's good ones. Yeah, I was so shocked. I really thought this was going to suck. I was like, Me oh too. no, Me too. bad comedies are the worst. And then I just kept giggling the whole time. Loaded weapon. I'm glad. I'm glad we all agree because I thought I was going to yeah. be on here like trying to like find some redeemable quality in movie 43. But loaded weapon one was just a wonderful watch, and uh, it yeah. doesn't stream anywhere, sadly. But you can still rent it. Um, yeah, even though it should be on HBO Max. Gosh darn it! Because it's a New Line Cinema movie of which you'll be reminded. I remember one of the reasons I loved it is just Emilio Estevez popping up in the actual Ninja Turtles movie. It's like just the footage from the movie. <laughs> How did they get that? Oh, right. Same movie company. All right. But uh, <laughs> Loaded Weapon number one, recommend for me. Uh, but then also this week we got SNL, um, and it's Dana Carvey's final episode as a cast member. Who oh boy, no. man. He... Don't leave. There's nowhere for you to go. <laughs> He'll come back for various appearances, but yeah, this is it for him as a regular, and 30 years now, he's been coasting on those five really amazing, amazing, amazing years, but he hasn't done great work in the last no. 30 years. Well, I mean, I, I think I, I personally like his stand-up a bit, just because I, I think Dana Carvey is in the top five, possibly top three SNL cast members of all time. He's really that fucking good. His impressions... Just like Keenan Thompson, he has a way of like smiling through them without breaking and letting you know he's having a good time. But like, there hasn't been a real vehicle to showcase his talent other than that stupid Jesus. I don't even remember the name of the Pistachio movie, A Master of Disguise. That's what it was. Yeah, disguise, which he's already done. It already failed, mm-hmm. and and he's like, oh yeah, no, now I can retire. What the? No, and it's three and a half years till the Dana Carvey show, which. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> that documentary oh my god every oh. now and then i see the the clip from the documentary go viral of them admitting that they didn't watch home improvement didn't know what they were going to be following yes and 
It's so <laughs> funny. Having this like too, too big to fail. Heart, yeah, too funny to fail. Too funny to fail. Yeah, the the heart wrenching moment of oh, a family's worst nightmare, followed by the mug root beer Dana Carvey show. <laughs> Diet rug <laughs> mug root beer Dana Carvey hour, and Steve Carell, Steve Colbert, just losing their mind at how incongruous the show fit into ABC's schedule, which like also included the like the Muppets, and they're decapitating the president and sucking on his tits. It's it's just, anyway anyway Dana Carvey, it's it's also weird. Mid-season, leaving mid-season is a pretty rare mm-hmm. thing, but like they really highlighted it with uh, Cecily Strong this this year. Uh, but yeah, it's it's I hate I hate when that happens because it's like where's the guy? <laughs> Where'd the guy go? And I, I experienced this era of SNL mostly through reruns, but that's how I know how glorious Dana Carvey is. But even Mike nah, Myers is going him. Dana Carvey was my gateway to SNL. Yeah. I s- pretty much started with him. And I didn't quite end with him, but it was pretty close. Like mm. the the Dana Carvey years were my no no. I gotta stay up every Saturday night to watch the new SNL. You know, those were my prime prime SNL years. So yeah. for me, he'll probably not nah, for me personally. He's my favorite SNL cast member of all time. Yeah, I, I, he's he's I, I go back and forth between Keenan Thompson and just how Kate, Kate McKinnon is so fucking good. But uh, yeah, amazing. And I did want to say for Loaded Weapon, because I get so confused on who is an SNL cast member and who isn't. John Lovitz and Phil Hartman are in that movie, but John Lovitz has left SNL, but Phil Hartman hasn't, but he will by the time the end of the year. It's confusing, just saying. Uh, and then something I hate that I have to talk about, but it's still fun. No, you don't. I know. It's I know. just not. <laughs> Come on. It's a TV movie. It's 90 minutes. It's two full network hours of the Flintstones. And I, yabba dabba do. Rebels <laughs> <sighs> and I are the Flintstones and the Rebels are through. Finished. Forever. And furthermore. Bam Bam and I are getting married. That's right. Bam Bam and I are getting it's not it's weird to say it's not as bad as most flintstones because at least it's animated and there's no laugh track (laughs) and every frame is new it's not a lot of reused horseshit but i think jr and i both had we watched the pebbles and bam bam show the show from the 70s where they were teenagers Mm -hmm. and i guess that was in such heavy rotation on in syndication on Saturday mornings on USA Cartoon Express. This is a movie sequel to that 1.5 season TV show. It's an easy sell to your 1993 executive. In 1993, everyone knew the Flintstones. You know, they'd been on the air for 20 to 30 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. Generations of uh, adults had watched it as kids, and now their kids probably watched it on reruns on the USA Network. Flintstones reruns are on multiple channels all day long. It's insane. So for your network executive, it's like, let's take this known property, do something that people will want to see. What's that? I don't know. They get married. Okay. Everyone knows Pebbles. Everyone knows Bam Bam. They get married. Boom. It's an easy sell. You get the parents watching because they remember it as kids, the kids watching because they're kids. And I I did way too much research on this because I I, I don't know. For some reason, I did love this series with Teenage Pebbles and Bam Bam because there were no teenagers on the Flintstones. You know, there were babies and 40-year-olds. And and I I connected with it somehow because one, there... Most of our listeners haven't lived in a world with a new Flintstones TV show. Like, there's Flintstones kids in the 80s and there hasn't been anything since other than, like, preschool, web shorts. It's so... But most kids know who the Flintstones are 
and it's been mostly specials, TV specials and TV movies like this. And I did read they made a follow-up TV movie to this that they they couldn't show again because it, they show Pebbles giving birth <laughs> uh, in the sequel movie. But wow. in comparison to our modern TV landscape, this wasn't a huge hit on CBS where it, I believe it aired for the first time. 22 million people watched <gasps> the not biggest, nowhere near the biggest thing of the week. And I just looked oh it up for a comparison God. Dave Chappelle's SNL was watched by 4.9 million people. That Last of Us episode everyone's talking about was watched by almost 6 million people. The Flintstones' I Yabba Dabba Doo was watched by more than, the, more than those people combined live, and it still wasn't oh. re- a huge hit that week. That's how many oh people were watching God. TV. And I'm glad you brought up The Last of Us, because we have, it turns out, a couple things that connect to The Last of Us really? this week, oh, right. including uh, Pebbles is played by Megan Mullally. Is it really in this in yeah. this episode? I didn't in know that. in this, that's that's what the cast list is How saying. How did I not see that? Uh, and I just watched her husband make out with a dude, and mm-hmm. then cried about it for hours. So Why you do that to me, Last of Us? Very very good episode of television, if I do say so myself. But I Abba Dabba Two airs, and I just can't believe. I just still can't believe it. In 1993, a show based on a 20 year old one season show. Wow, that's the power of syndication, and that's why Ted Turner ended up buying Hanna Barbera. Also this week, Quantum Leap. What happens in this one, JR? <laughs> uh, Sam leaps into a vampire. Yes! Okay. This <laughs> oh, is Quantum Leap. This is the last season of Mork and Mindy effect going on. They are just desperate to get one more season of Quantum Leap. So they are throwing everything at the wall. And in the original first couple of seasons of Quantum Leap, it was a serious drama. It was yeah. like tackling serious things. They had very strict rules. And in the final season, they're just like, whatever. F the rules. Whatever wacky idea might get us a tiny bump in the ratings, let's do it. Uh, imagine, imagine the last it, season of Roseanne as Quantum Leap, not... <laughs> that like where he's leaping into famous people, yep. needless cameos. Yep. It, and and that's why the last season is pretty divisive for Quantum Leap fans, mm. just because it kind of is very different from the other seasons. And they throw in the bit of, oh, maybe he's only pretending he's a vampire, but at the very end, Sam doesn't have a reflection in the mirror. Oh, no. And that's the second oh. he leaps away. And I should say, Sam looking at his reflection in the mirror is also my other favorite Quantum Leap clip. Don't look it up. I shouldn't <laughs> laugh at it. Uh yeah, Quantum Leap. I believe it got the new continuation got renewed. So I can't imagine we won't see what happens to him at some point. I am not keeping up with the new Quantum Leap. Are you, J. Harm? No, no, I haven't watched it. I've, I've been curious, but so little time, you know? Yeah. Uh, and then also this week, is this an episode of Bob? This is an episode of Bob, the uh, forgotten Bob Newhart t- television show where oh. he plays a comic book writer. In this episode, he has his friend george went come over and george went is playing george went but <laughs> everyone always just refers to him as the guy who plays norm on cheers that's the entire thing that's <laughs> that's all anyone ever tells him and this was like my first like realization that oh maybe celebrities don't want to be called the thing they're called over and over and over and again. And <laughs> and there's a scene where George went kind of gets pretty fed up because they oh. keep calling him Norm. Uh, excuse me, Norm. Wait a minute. Wait, everybody. Look, I hate to be picky, but my name is not Norm. All right. I play Norm on TV, but I'm not Norm. My name is George went 
and I prefer to be called by my name, okay? I'm sorry, Mr. Wendt. It's all right. What can I do for you? Mrs. Wendt is being strangled in the kitchen. <laughs> all right. Solid joke there. Good on Bob Newhart. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I call him Bill Schwartzky whenever I see George Wendt. <laughs> or, or Jason Sudeikis, his uncle, which is something I only recently found out. Uh, and then last, but definitely not leastly, the Simpsons brother from the same planet. Um, oh, this is such a classic episode. I mean, every part of it has killer joke after killer joke. Uh, mm-hmm. this clip is my reference from the start of the show. And what are your reasons for wanting a little brother? Don't say revenge. Don't say revenge. Uh, revenge. That's it. I'm getting out of here. <laughs> it checks off revenge uh, and 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 I believe as the lore goes Tom Cruise had some through the through the grapevine they had had some idea that Tom Cruise was interested in playing a part in the Simpsons so Bart's big brother was written for Tom Cruise which of course he said no to and you got Phil Hartman which is fine which is fine my my favorite part about this my two favorite things on the planet right now are Ren and Stimpy and The Simpsons. And The Simpsons animates, I can't tell if they're mocking Ren and Stimpy or making they the are. perfect Ren they and are. Stimpy <laughs> <laughs> clip because it just, yeah, his eyeballs twirl in a circle and explode in his soup. That was perfect Ren and Stimpy. You did it. Way to go, Simpsons. And uh, the forgotten subplot from this is also very killer. This is the episode where Lisa gets addicted to a 1-900 line Cor- where a pretty allegory. boy celebrity named Corey talks to her. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember, but yeah, great episode uh, of The Simpsons. This is even I, more painful I, than it looks. <laughs> yeah, the the whole end after the fight of Barton Homer bonding over his sheer cowardice and and dirty fighting is just like, hey, remember when you screamed, "I'm a hemophiliac," so he let you go, and then you kicked him in the back. Oh yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, at first you gotta keep sobbing until he turns away in disgust. Then it's time to kick some back. <laughs> <laughs> I think about kick some back a lot. <laughs> Good episode of The Simpsons there. And uh, finally, we got 1993 games. I'll leave this is JR to tell me how advanced advanced Dungeons & Dragons is on the NES, because I can't right. imagine very much. It's, again, we are at late stage NES. This is pushing the limit for how <laughs> open world an NES game can be, because you. this is as close to a D&D campaign as the NES ever got because mm. you don't really have uh-huh. like one princess to rescue. You kind of like set your own goal. You have a bunch of different mini games uh, to achieve those, writing, uh, fighting, and you've got an overquest and you can kind of just play out as close to a D&D campaign as the NES is capable of. Wow. It's not there, but there's some open world seeds in this game that I don't recall in any other NES game. And we also have Rollerblade Racer letting you know this is still, in fact, the 90s, um, not the 80s. Listeners, look up the cover for this because it is the most 1980s cover 1993 has to offer. It's just like, wow, you are definitely in the last decade. It's my favorite part, the 80s and 90s design of it all. And a a game I've never played, and I sort of meant to once I saw it on this list, Bomberman 2. I was never a Bomberman guy. I... uh, Pulled it out for this episode. It's it's a solid little puzzle action game. You run yeah. around dropping bombs, trying to clear areas without getting destroyed by your own bombs or eaten by the enemy. What's really intriguing for me is this is one of those rare four-player NES games. Yep. 
I I would have loved in 1993 to get four friends together and just play this against each I, other. I that, didn't, that I sounds didn't like a good time. discover Bomberman to the Super Nintendo, and it was because of the four player aspect and that you're all doing shit on one screen, and it's it's just a great like something you feel like you should only get in the arcades. You could do on consoles, and it's a wonderful series. Uh, 1993 music, I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston, sale number one. Um, but we also have some other new releases for February 3rd through the 9th of 1993, including Earth 2 uh, by Earth. Um, oh, I was hoping it was DC. Uh, Wandering <laughs> Spirit by Mick Jagger, who is the musical guest on SNL this week on Carvey's last uh-huh. show. Uh, okay. I believe he plays Keith Richards on Weekend Update. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that. And uh, we got music, the debut of 311, whom the government should investigate and also sucks balls. Uh, <laughs> Slip by Quicksand, Spilt Milk by Jellyfish, Where You Been by Gin- Dinosaur Jr., and uh, Sarsipius Arc by Infectious Grooves. So we'll close out with Sweet Thing by Mick Jagger. It's what he played on SNL, and it's what we're going to take you into uh, 2003 with. So don't move. does well. Don't move. We got some, if you liked our cartoon talk here, we got a major cartoon thing to talk about in the next segment. Stay there. like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad-free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste 1978 they're shooting superman 1 and superman 2 back to back I'm kind of becoming comic obsessed in the early to mid 80s. I think Superman 3 is on the verge of coming to video, but basically I could just rent the first two over and over again. So I watched those over and over and over again. And to me, they they warm my heart. And by the time the Donner cut came out in, what are we talking, 06? To coincide. 06, I think, yeah. To coincide. Like I watched it and like, you know, I read this is technically better. I was a little kid, I didn't know what happened. I didn't want this version. It I felt nothing when I saw it because like this is just not the n- nostalgic version I have for Superman. And Steve has an, an experience I'd like to talk about. It's hard to call any of these movies good because they're all bad and pee in the eye of Superman and, and everything you know about it. Okay, okay. <laughs> Get Bonus Time, a weekly uncensored and commercial-free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just $5 on Patreon.com slash LazerTime. I do believe we'll laugh and reminisce. Wait a minute, don't bounce, baby. Let's talk about this, man. Well, I'm bouncing and I'm bouncing. I gotta leave you alone. Cause I'm good, holding down the spot. And I'm good, repping the girls on the block. Welcome back. 2003, coming in with All I Have by Jennifer Lopez featuring LL Cool J. It's number one this week. Cut it out, chat. Welcome to 302010 segment two, 2003. February 3rd to the 9th, new music releases include Nocturna by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. 
the self-titled debut of All-American All Reach Hex. Uh, Boomslang by Johnny Marr. The Dreamer by Blake Shelton. Let Go by Not A Surf. Love by The Juliana Theory. 100th Window by Massive Attack. And 50 Cents Get Rich or Die Trying, which is on Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Albums list. Way to go, 50 Cent. Also, yeah. one of my in my top 500 games, Blood on the Sand. God, that's a good game. Uh, yeah, it's so ridiculous. 50 Cent and G Unit tearing up, tearing up the Middle East with uh, automatic weapons. Hilarious. Uh, a little bit of news bringing you the wonderful world of 2003. Actress Lana Clarkson is murdered by Phil Spector. Oh boy! Yeah. This was so goddamn inevitable because. Phil Spector is an extremely talented music producer and is responsible for so much music that you love, whether you know it or not. But he was a crazy person and he loved guns. Mm -hmm. He pulled guns on the Ramones. He pulled guns on John Lennon. He pulled guns on everybody. And sooner or later... I want our listeners to think about that. If you are so batshit nuts, you will pull a gun on John Lennon. Lennon, <laughs> what do you think you're going to do to someone below John Lennon? Yeah. yeah, so I guess he picked her up at House of Blues, I think. Yeah, she so might have been a waitress. Lana Clarkson yeah. was a successful B-movie actress uh, for much of the 1980s. Yeah. She was in a lot of sword and sorcery films that specialized in females wearing unrealistic armor. Dude, she's in Deathstalker. She's in Deathstalker. Wow. She's in Barbarian Queen. She's in a couple. She's known as like the queen of writhing because she always got uh, tied up in bondage a lot. And... Yep. And, and just to tie things together, which is really weird, she has a cameo in Fast Times at Ridgemont High as uh, Mr. Vargas Vincent Schiavelli's hot wife. Vincent Schiavelli is the weird looking dude mm -hmm. who is like the mean ghost in Ghost. And he was married to Elise Beasley, who is the ugly version of Kathy Ireland in Loaded Weapon 1. <laughs> wow. It all comes it together. It all comes back together. And also, he was in um, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest with Jack Lem or Jack Nicholson, who was in A Few Good Men with Kevin Bacon. There, I did it. Uh, anyway, but Lana Clarkson. Yeah, she, she was a working actress, and as she was getting older, the parts were less. But she never gave up on it. She was, you know, a hustler. She went out there. Mm -hmm. She tried to get jobs. The jobs weren't going well. Maybe they would have gotten some better role in the future. But in the meantime, she was like, okay. I'll, I'll be like the premium hostess at the House of Blues. So it's not just like a normal waitress. She's like for the celebrities and whatnot. And yeah. that's why she got assigned to Phil Spector. He brought her home. He killed her. Uh, mm -hmm. he, he put a gun in her mouth and blew her out. And he tried to get all this doubt on, put on his actions. But the evidence is really, really clear. Oh, I just happened to give her a gun, and then she just happened to shoot herself with it. Mm -hmm. No, That's, is this the the lingering case around Phil Spector this whole time? Like, feels yeah. like it went on for years. It yeah, went well, on for six, seven years because there was a mistrial. And first, they weren't sure if they're going to charge him because they don't have a lot of evidence. You know, it's very circumstantial. Except that everyone knows this guy loved guns and. Yeah, it could be an accident or could be on purpose. It's like, what are you charging with? Yeah. Yep. It went but, on uh, and on and on. But then he went to prison and then he died there. COVID yep. got him. Died of COVID. And it's just, yeah, it's all such a shame in just every way where it's like, yeah, this sounds like a nice lady who met, honestly, a fucking music legend. And yeah, let's go hang out with him. Whatever. I mean, this could be interesting. He's got amazing stories, I bet. I would have hung out with Great him. Great hair. 
Uh, yeah, and it's so uh, unfortunate. And, and then when Spectre finally died, all the obits were about what a genius he was, and people were like, he fucking murdered a woman! And in much lighter news, uh, the, the first note of a performance of As Slow As Possible by John Cage from Mortal Kombat fame, yes, that John Cage, uh, is played in Halberstadt, Germany, on a specially built organ. The first part of the performance was a pause lasting 18 months. <laughs> no, we covered the beginning. Wow. It is <laughs> scheduled to last until the year 2640. Yeah. We're on, we're on the seventh or 16th note right now. Maybe I don't want to see um, a sequel to Boyhood. And it's, it's going to last until uh, February 2024. That's... Yeah. So, listeners, uh, tune in February uh, 2650 when we will cover the ending of this. We'll be doing <laughs> the first time. 300, 200, 100. It's great. going to be a great yeah. show. <laughs> uh, moving on into the movies of 2003, uh, a bunch of stuff I wish I had more time to check out. I had a rough week. Look, I think it's hilarious to say we're going to replace Matt Damon with John Malkovich. But uh, <laughs> apparently, this is the fourth adaptation of the story of uh, what? Ripley? John Ripley? I forget yeah, his name. It's, yeah, this this is a a Ripley, Ripley's game with John Malkovich, Doug Ray Scott, Lena Headey, and uh, Ray Winstone. This movie fucking rips. It is the the. <laughs> it's not even the first adaptation, but it's considered the best of any Ripley adaptation. I I don't think that's fair. I think that the um, the Matt Damon, uh, talented Mr. Ripley, talented is Mr. Ripley, damn near uh, a masterpiece. But this is really under rip under-respected. Hmm. Um, I'm actually going to look up. I think this is technically the third Ripley book. There is a short series by uh, Patricia Highsmith. And it's about a con artist, you know, that like he keeps going. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like at the end of Talented Mr. Ripley, he's basically achieved everything that he wanted with uh, at great personal cost and, and a bunch of dead bodies. But the the books continue and he's just a, a perfect con artist. He gets involved with uh, an art forgery sort of thing. He starts playing the mob uh, off of this one guy who's dying. And it's like, Hey, how about you go be an assassin for the mob? Because what do you have to lose? And he's like, oh, I don't know. And he's just like living in his fancy villa and fucking with people. And I still haven't read any any of the, the Highsmith novels, but most people who have said Malkovich nails it here. Mm. That he's much more of a Tom Ripley than what you see from Matt Damon. Interesting. But, yeah, it's you know, it's a tiny European movie. I think it was shot in Italy. It looks gorgeous. Everyone's being classy at each other, and it's just really fun. It's so fun to be on the side of the complete psychopath somehow. <laughs> well, he's up against the mob. It's hard to root for the mob sometimes. That's most true, of the time. but just the, the cleverness of it all, mm. where it's just like everyone is immoral, so why not? Yeah, why not see this guy succeed and be yeah, played Ripley's by games? It's actually a big recommend for me. And in Ripley's second game, Matt Damon can play him again as an older guy. All right. Uh, also out this week, Gabrielle Union and LL Cool J. Damn, he's got a song on the charts and a movie uh, in the theaters. Deliver us from Ava. So I did not realize <laughs> this is an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew. I thought that was another uh, movie in our list. So Yeah. And then Chris and I just got in a discussion of, wait, what's that other one? I said, 10 Things I Hate About You. And the argument is, I think the title, 10 Things I Hate About You, sounds a lot like The Taming of the Shrew. 10 Things I Hate About You. The Taming of the Shrew. 
There's a hint there. I don't. There's okay. a hint. I don't right. know. Yeah. Anyway, no, it's but it's it's basically Tammy the Shrew, where Gabriel Union's just a giant bitch, and her sisters want her to calm down, and then they get this play at LL Cool J to like seduce her, but then you know, oh, this was all fake. No, it wasn't. I really love you, and then everything works out. Yeah. We're gonna talk about another one of those in a minute. Yes. Uh, I wanted to it's like literally the same thing, except is much more like than Deliver Us from Eva, which sounds like everyone's like, yeah, it's fine. And I wanted to, okay. I really wanted to check out May this week, um, the horror movie. Right. I mean, so, so we talked about this a couple months ago, mm -hmm. and one of our listeners got back to me and said, number one, I think you got the date wrong. And number two, we kind of glanced over it, and mm -hmm. he said, no, Diana, I think you in particular really like this movie because it's Carrie meets Frankenstein. Yeah. And I was like, okay, even though I'm a sissy and it sounds really gory, I am going to watch it. So I did. Yes, I will take second passes of things. And he was right. I really liked it, even though... It did have quite a bit of gore, but it was mostly at the end. Yes. And um, I, I just saw that Roger Ebert gave this four to four stars and like, whoa, and a, a, an interesting new take on the slasher movie. And, uh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I watched this back in the day, like on a DVD rental when I, where I wasn't paying much attention, probably in a playing halo with my friends while it was on. And I meant to rewatch it, but busy week. Yeah. May. So I, I thought I'd bring it back up because like, yeah, I know there's a lot of movies we kind of glance over. Mm -hmm especially smaller indie ones and sometimes yeah yeah they they need a champion and yeah may was very creepy because yeah angela bettis is this like weird loner whose only friend is a doll that's in a glass case and then she starts stalking jeremy sisto it gets uh progressively stockier and creepier and stockier and creepier well. until until she snaps and decides you know what i'm gonna make a new doll <laughs> out of people's yay yay <laughs> Uh, yeah, May was, yeah, really good for, I mean, it feels like a very tiny budget. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. something that was expensive. Expensive and I'm very sequel. Disappointed in. Uh, Aiden Gillen, Donnie Yen, Fan Wong, Owen Wilson, and Jackie Chan in Shanghai Nights. They were the best in the West, but on a mission to London. Hello, ladies. They're bringing out a secret weapon. You have a sister? must work out. Jackie Chan. <laughs> Owen Wilson. If you break her heart, I'd break your leg. That's fair. Shanghai Nights. Rated PG-13. I, I couldn't get into this. Um, I was uh, so <laughs> fucking disappointed in this. I really like Shanghai Noon. Mm -hmm. And yeah. maybe, is it just because I'm a fan of Westerns? I don't know. But I, no. I really enjoyed it. And then this, like, so many of the critics were like, oh, yeah, this is as good, if not better. And I'm like, did you watch the same movie? <laughs> to, to me, it's like they put Cowboys Go to London into a computer, and the computer wrote every joke in this film. <laughs> like, none of the jokes are anything original or even that funny. It's like what a eight-year-old was thinking is funny and i agree the first shanghai uh film uh was solid it was good it still holds up i don't think this one does it all absolute skip there are a couple of great amazing scenes with jackie chan doing his thing because of course there are mm -hmm. yeah. i mean there, there's one scene where he takes out an umbrella and he's dancing around like singing in the rain, which was cute, but it also doesn't really fit the theme. You know, singing in the rain is a musical from what the thirties and forties. And it, it didn't really 
seem to hmm. go along with anything other than like, let's just throw in the reference. Jackie Chan is an amazing physical performer who would have guessed, but there's nothing good in this film. No, I, I was so, so disappointed. So yeah, it is. They go to London because there's the, the guy that killed Jackie Chan's, what shot his paw. And <laughs> it turns out it's all part of a scheme to install um, Littlefinger as the, the new king of England. They're going to kill Victoria and all of her folks. And somewhere in there, also Arthur Conan Doyle shows up and also Charlie Chaplin. Sure. Why not? These are things people have heard of, I guess. <laughs> At the time, Jack the Ripper, maybe. Mm. Yeah. All of Victorian England will just compress it all into one <laughs> tiny package. Yeah, just it just comes down to it. the jokes suck. Yeah. I, I just I felt like embarrassed most of the time of like <sighs> I mean, oh, that's what Owen Wilson is there for is to, you know, do all the comedy stuff and all the comedy stuff was really bad. And I ended up feeling bad for the actors to be in the movie. That's not a great feeling. That's not <laughs> what Hollywood wants you to feel. I don't get it, but I guess some people really like it. I don't I don't get it. I'd be interested to see how people, because I, I know some of Jackie Chan's US work holds up a little better than the others, but mm. I don't know. I always thought this was very, very sub rush hour. That's where I Yeah. Yeah. It was just, I was so disappointed. Uh, yeah, same. Well, then I don't know if your hopes will be buoyed by Thomas Lennon, Adam Goldberg, Annie Paris, Catherine Hahn, Matthew McConaughey, and Kate Hudson. It's number one in the box office this week. 10 things I hate about you. Oh, no, no, no. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Aha. How to lose a guy in 10 days. Hi, Andy Anderson. I'm doing an article on how to lose a guy in 10 days. To finish her latest assignment, I got one. Andy has to drive a guy away in 10 days. Girls dream that they be but there's just one little problem. You're beautiful. She may have found the love of a lifetime. Kate Hudson, Matthew McConaughey, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, rated PG-13. Yeah, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. This mm. could have been a hilarious comedy if they would have gone like nutso, gonzo, all in on the premise. The premise is solid. A woman is writing an article for her magazine on how you can lose a guy in 10 days. She's up against a man who has to get a woman to fall in love with him in 10 days or he loses out on a big deal. Having those things clash could be some great comedy. They just don't go crazy enough with it. I mean, they mm -hmm. have a scene where, oh, she brings her toothbrush and she puts some stuffies around. <laughs> okay. Well, just, uh, okay, here's the thing. Um, I appreciate they do a pretty good job of covering up the fact that all of the characters are psychopaths. <laughs> Absolute fucking psychopaths. Like, okay, her idea is like, I'm going to write a story about everything that women do wrong early in relationships. Okay, fine. How about you go out and you talk to a bunch of men about reasons they broke up with someone early in a relationship and you write your article. No, instead, let's use a, a man as an unwitting guinea pig. That's just cruel. Yeah, it's super cruel. And, and then his thing is the exact same thing. I'm going to make a woman fall in love with me so I can get this account over those two attractive and capable women. I don't want them to have the job. So I want the job, which is about selling diamonds to women. So you'd think maybe the women would be good at that job. No, no, those bitches need to die. So <laughs> he is also going to horribly manipulate some young woman for his own psychotic end. So these guys deserve each other because they're both fucking sociopaths. But I agree. 
the things that she does are not really things that normal women would do early in a relationship that would tank it. They're they're not. She's doing much weirder things like, yeah, buying a dog and saying it's our baby. It's like somewhere in history, a woman has done that, but that's not really (laughs) the thing. thing. (laughs) Yeah. Moving a bunch of your crap in. Okay. Yeah. Calling his mom without telling him and forming a relationship with her. Okay. But the rest of us just like, no, she's just being crazy. She's not yeah. making relationship mistakes that women actually make. So your whole premise is wrong. Yeah, and it doesn't have any emotional truth to it because he does <clears throat> fall in love with her after she's done all these really annoying and really bad things. It's just like, no, you should be pulling out your hair and being like, I'm quitting this. No account is worth this. But no, you fell in love with her because you guys played bullshit together. <laughs> yeah. All right, movie. Yet another yeah, con, um, just... con man movie, a con movie that turns into people falling in love. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, Common theme. no, it sucks. I will point out though, Kate Hudson here, build above Matthew McConaughey because it's 2003 and we think she's a star. I think movies like this do not help her, even though. It, the cinematographer is kind of an old pro who's been around a million years, so they look amazing. Like, mm. every shot of them just glows. Like, god damn, of course I'd fall in love with them. They're beautiful. <laughs> but they are like two Patrick Batemans, for fuck's sake. Maybe it's good that they date each other so they don't hurt anyone else. It's really disturbing. That's the other yet, thing. If they It went... doesn't even pay off the mess. Yeah, that's why I think you could make this as a good movie if you go full on something about mary gross out these people are horrible and they realize that they're horrible at the end of the film right but the kind of horrible that's like can be together i guess maybe or they realize they both need to go to therapy i i don't know i just i I was really i was really hoping for something that like i i have an allergy to rom-coms because i feel like they reinforce the patriarchy hell yeah and (laughs) so I was hoping there would secretly be something like truthful in here um, about, you know, the way (laughs) women would, you know, are so desperate for a relationship that they overcorrect and try to be everything for a guy and, and and they lose themselves in the process or some, something real, something real people who say, I love you on a first date kind of real, but there's not, there's not, it sucked. I hate it. And I'm angry at it. (laughs) I'm glad I stayed away from it. Good. Well, um, so I leaned into the pitch and I took one for the team. I appreciate that. I really do. Um, yeah. Can we move Damn on to it. television after we get out of here? JR, how yep. to lose 10 guys, day, how to lose a guy in 10 days recommended. <laughs> Everyone wants to know what you think. <laughs> no. no. All right. TV 2003, February 3rd through the 9th. A TV show I never knew existed, which is only weird because it's Disney animation, isn't it? Uh, yeah, it's Disney. It's uh, it's based on their... It's The Legend of Tarzan ends. It started in 2001. It's completely based upon their Tarzan movie. It adapted several characters in location from other Rice Edgar Burrow, Rice yeah. Burroughs material, like yeah. uh, Queen La and Lost City of Upar, Hittest Dinosaur World of Pelikidar, and... Uh, <laughs> There's even an episode with Burroughs himself in it. So they tried to expand upon the 
premise. But uh, as I understand it, Disney only had the rights to Tarzan for a little while. And this is the cartoon trying to make the most of it. Yeah, I, I, I have to imagine. I don't. I thought all this stuff was public domain. But one, this is airing on UPN, so I never saw a frame of it because I didn't have that channel. And two, this is not available to stream on Disney+. Plus. So I wonder yeah. where those rights stand. It's strange that a Disney product, two seasons, 40 episodes, got nothing nothing to show for it. Legend of Tarzan. Just not a, even a huge fan of that movie, so I, I just wouldn't have known this existed. And I was 23. What I may have watched is The Price is Right, as it broadcasts its first million-dollar spectacular. Is this something they usually do in primetime? Yeah, yeah, this is this is basically trying to catch who wants to be a millionaire three years too late. Mm. Um, yeah. The whole thing of, hey, people really want to see someone win a million dollars, so let's just take our game show that everyone watched when they were homesick from school, bump up the prize money, <laughs> there we go. Yeah, yeah, uh, I don't remember watching this. And something I don't remember watching is, again, I'm 23, but uh, since then, this show's legacy has kind of grown with nerds such as myself. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Don't get confused. It's not the 1987 show. It's the 2003 show debuting on Fox, and it's the one where they have no pupils. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a lot of games based off of it. And it's... This is the longest running Ninja Turtle show since the original, and it is far more well regarded. <laughs> Critics and fans uh, apparently love this show, and part of that was the adaptation of the Ninja Turtles comics. Understandably, was wackety schmackety kid stuff, and the cartoons are very, or the comics are very much more adult. This is an attempt to try and take the comics seriously within the confines of children's entertainment. So they are ninjas and assassins, but they not a lot of bloodletting on kids TV, but like, yeah. but to take the, the, the material seriously and people loved it. And I still see people rave about this to this day, this series. I, I think the turtles made a solid decision to let the franchise remain fallow for a while, because yeah. this is the first Ninja Turtles media in like six years. Cause mm. 1997, the last live action show uh, was the next generation with the female mm -hmm. turtle. And that did not go over well. People didn't like it. There were no cartoons. There were no movies. Probably a video game or two in there. I don't know, but mm -hmm. there wasn't a lot. And so this was them. Let's just reboot, figure out what worked in the cartoon, figure out what we can add from the much darker comics. And they tried to... Mix the two in a way that worked. And as I understand it, this is the best regarded uh, Ninja Turtles cartoon until fairly recent. Yeah, I think the other ones hmm. have been, these are impressive adaptations, but for like, this was a, people who grew up with the 87 show dug this, people who grew up with the comics dug this, and critics like this. And unlike a lot of other stuff, it is streaming on Paramount Plus. So you can check it out there. And I do love that it's, its series finale is a TV movie where these turtles meet the 87, you know, action figure turtles, for lack of a better word, ah. <laughs> and, yeah. and try and settle universes and all that stuff. Yeah, there was a 
really well regarded into the Spider-Verse version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that combined pretty much all of them together. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's really good. And I keep my meaning to uh, take I know because you got like there's like seven seasons of this. It's a lot. It's a lot to yeah. watch. Um, and it, I think it moved its last season, which may have hurt its rating to like a CW or another network. So uh, that could have hurt it. It could have been on the air for even longer. But yeah, it has the best legacy of quality of any turtle. I think any turtles uh, product, movie or otherwise. Uh, TMNT, baby. And then uh, 2003 video games. I love Unreal 2, The Awakening uh, for PC. Unreal, a game I don't think many gamers even associate that name with a game (laughs) anymore. Yeah. But it, it now no. is an engine that everybody understands because it's in a lot of stuff. To me, that always made sense. Mm-hmm. Why reinvent the wheel for every single game? Why not just have a really good engine that you can multi-purpose for uh, mm-hmm. multiple games? But yeah, yeah, it was once a game. Yeah, Unreal 2. I forget what the last one was, but like, Jesus, it's been a long time. Uh, uh, and then in books, a book I did read, A Short History of Nearly Everything by Bill Bryson is out this week. Ah, uh, I love Bill Bryson. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's fabulous. He's a great uh, travel uh, writer. He makes some really witty travel books, and here he uses that same writing skills to bring your interest into the realm of, well, nearly everything. He, he, He starts off and he covers all of science, but he gives you like the gossip of science. And he tells you uh, how these scientists were messed up or what crazy things they did. And it's really interesting. It's worth a read, but even more than that, it's worth a reread. If you just want to feel smart and go, ah, I knew this. Or if you want to learn just a little bit about every branch of science, boom, this Mm. is the book to do it. It's quick. It's easy. It's enjoyable. And with that, I think we got one of our shortest 2003 segments in a long time. So we'll take you out by Swing Swing by the All-American Rejects, debuting this week with their album. Uh, But when we come back, we're going to talk to you about 2013. Don't go anywhere. Hello, fellow nerf herders. Did you not like Last Jedi, Rise of the Skywalker, or would you just prefer a majority of Star Wars fans take a slow walk into a volcano? What I'm saying is, are you sick of Star Wars? Well, I thought I was, but my co-host Jeremy and Adam beg to differ. Except when they don't. Get ready for a whole lot of love, a whole lot of hate, and a whole lot of geeky therapy in our new series, Sick of Star Wars with a Big Giant Question Mark, exclusively available at patreon.com slash laser time. Here's a little taste. My monkey. There was no internet in 1980, blah, blah, blah. Uh, but I, I wanted yeah. to find people's reactions to Empire Strikes Back because yeah, it's the it's the twist, man. W- what was it? What was it when people walk at a theater? How were people talking about this? And it's one, it's really weird. The only cool record we have of this is Starlog Magazine allowed people to write in, and you can find those on archive.org, and that remains the closest thing we have to a comment thread about Empire Strikes Back when it comes out. But what we did have was wonderful, wonderful news stories. They have audience reactions of people coming out of the theater. Although the critics are disappointed, consumers looking for an escape into fantasy this summer will have the last word. Left me confused. <laughs> I didn't understand any of it. Special effects were tremendous. Really enjoyed it. 
Oh, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't like the ending. It could have been a better ending. Get fucked, lady. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's sick of Star Wars. Available exclusively at patreon.com slash lasertime, along with weekly bonus shows, over 100 movie commentaries, exclusive bonus podcasts, and more for just five bucks. And that's in addition to the brand new show, Sick of Star Wars, an angst-ridden podcast saga told in nine parts. Listen long and prosper. This is so wizarding. Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Internet and all the ships at sea. It's time for Diana's Classic Corner, where we go even further back in time this week to see if there's anything worth a watching. And for the weeks of February 3rd through 9th, we have two movies separated by 50 years that could not be more dissimilar. And that's why I love film. Let's start with 40 years ago this week, 1983, saw the release of David Cronenberg's Videodrome. I don't think it's my favorite Cronenberg movie, but it is like the most Cronenberg movie. He has a very distinctive, weird fucking style. And this is him coming up being weird and body horror-ish and what the hell is going on? I don't know, but somehow it kind of makes sense. Uh, James Woods plays a guy who works at like a small TV station. And there's like, there's you know, some uh, satire about media in there. And then he also finds this like secret signal that's going around that's like mind control or maybe snuff films or... It doesn't make a little sense. And then, like, Debbie Harry is there. Um, and I wish she made more movies because she's she's really good. It's a lot of fun. I think I've only watched it once. And it might have been drunk at the time. And it hit real strange. But Videodrome, total recommend if you want to get into Cronenberg. That might be where you start, honestly. And then you can go back into his other earlier Canadian stuff. You know, Shivers or whatever. But then, 90 years ago this week... I am recommending, yes, a 90-year-old film, She Done Him Wrong, starring Mae West and Cary Grant. God damn this movie. I do, I, I want a time machine to go to the alternate Hollywood where they did not add the production code, where they had to tone down the sex and the violence, because this is a great example of what they could get away with before they started doing that, where it's obviously, we're not being graphic, but we're being so fucking suggestive. It, yeah, stars Mae West. It's based on her play that she wrote called Diamond Lil. And it's like the 1890s. And she's like a singer in this bar and like has all these connections to the underworld. And there's dancers and pickpockets and hookers that we can't call hookers necessarily. And then she, she has to deal with this guy from, I think it's this, he's with the Salvation Army, Cary Grant, really early Cary Grant performance where she just won't stop trying to fuck him. And... <laughs> It's best known for the line, uh, why don't you come up and see me sometime, which is not what she says. It's even seedier. The way she says, why don't you come up sometime and see me? And the way she says the S, like, uh, oh, I can think of it. Mae West is just a fascinating figure. I've been waiting for people to sort of rediscover her because 90 goddamn years ago, she's not conventionally attractive. She's definitely a bigger girl. And that's like her thing is that she's like a drag queen who was a cis woman with giant tits and was incredibly suggestive and everyone wanted to fuck her and she's funny as hell so yeah she done him wrong uh, also a good place to start with Mae West either that or uh, I'm No Angel those are probably my two favorite and yeah 1933 and that's it for this week stay classic and shout and let it all out and scream and shout and let it out we say you know Great.
and shout and let it all out and scream and shout and let it out we say no we are we are we are you are now now rocking with will i am in britney bitch Coming to 2013 with Scream and Shout by Will I Am featuring Britney Spears. Welcome to 2013, 10 years ago, 302010, the final segment. New releases for the week of February 3rd to the 9th in 2013 also include Anna by the uh, Courtineers. There, I said it. Wonderful Glorious by Eels, Anthems by Pure Love, The Afterman Decision. Dissension by Coheed and Camry. There, I got it. Uh, Regions and Light and Sound of God by My Morning Jacket's Jim James. All That Echoes by Josh Groban. Two Lanes of Freedom by Tim McGraw. And Temper Temper by My Bloody Valentine. Thrift Shot by Macklemore and nope, Ryan Lewis. The what? other one. <laughs> what, the other what? one. Bullet oh, for My Valentine. Temper Temper by My Bullet Bullet for My Valentine. Good Lord. I was on autopilot. They should, they should go on tour together and fuck up everything. True. Uh, <laughs> Thrift Shot by Macklemore and Ryan Lewis featuring Wans is still number one. Uh, welcome to 2013, everybody. A little bit of news to bring you into the wonderful world of 10 years ago. The UK House of Commons votes in favor of same-sex marriage. Yay! Yay! Elton John can get married! Is this Did some, he? Is, After this? Yeah. 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 Oh, good. Is this something they can undo uh, if a weird reality show populist comes to popularity? And <laughs> Well, they, they don't have a Supreme Court. Ah, so it can't be overthrown. But it could be overturned. If, if sure. Parliament says uh, the new law is the new law, then that's what Parliament says. <sighs> and in other news, Eugene Delacroix's painting uh, Liberty Leading the People is vandalized at the Louvre uh, in northern France. You've all seen this painting. Um, it's uh, very famous. And someone vandalized it, and then instantly everyone agreed with her position and liked her uh, <laughs> protest so much more. That's that's what happens when you vandalize famous yeah, works of I, art. I, I would have agreed with you. You just weren't getting enough attention. Maybe if you destroy yeah. something priceless. Yeah, <laughs> she was a uh, 9-11 truther. So oh, now, oh, you know, we all fuck. just you know, agree with her because she vandalized a famous work of art. Um. <laughs> I'm yeah, it is the painting you think of when you think of like the French Revolution. I know it. Yeah, yes, I know it now. I've uh, seen a lot of photoshops with it, including myself. Yeah, and they they just kind of they fixed it. They said no, Indeed. no damage. Awesome! I love that they can do yep. that. Uh, and then they reopened the nine eleven commission, and they found out that lady was right, and they issued a big report. It that was. was just that lady was right for eight hundred pages. Three eleven was arrested mm -hmm. after all that. Yeah. And <laughs> And then uh, in movie news, new movies this week, a movie I did not see, starring Chrissy ah, Chow, Shallo, Humble. Is it good? Uh, Journey, yeah. Journey to the West, Conquering the Demons. Is the sequel? No, this is the first one. Okay. Conquering yeah, the Journey Demons. to the West, Conquering the Demons, uh, directed, co-written, produced by Stephen, Stephen Chow. Chow. Yeah. Um, you know, did Kung Fu Hustle and them. And damn this movie is fucking crazy it's one of the biggest hits that's ever happened in china it, it was massive there and it took a while to get to the u.s i think just on streaming but i watched it a couple of years ago because i heard it was really good and it's fucking crazy mm -hmm. i mean it's you know it's like magical fairy tale shit happening like the kind of stuff that you would just normally would do in cartoons but they do it live action you know there's pig demons and there's you know uh the monkey king and there's like just all this mythology and i was worried like i'm not gonna get this right journey to the west is uh, such a classic and i don't know that much about it and i ended up being entertained as hell 
Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any equivalent to Journey to the West in right. the Western tradition. Mm. Um, like maybe if the Iliad was also mixed with the Bible mm-hmm. and had fans as loyal as Batman fans. That yeah. would be <laughs> Journey to the West. It, it is bizarre how many times this has been adapted in, in video games just because of how much the yeah. East reveres it. Yeah. yeah, and this is kind of almost an origin story for Journey to the West because mm-hmm. it, it it takes place kind of before the famous Journey to the West happens. And they make a couple of interesting decisions in it. They definitely are not falling on the rigorous side of the adaptation debate. They're going with the rule of cool, which is fine. It's... It's well done for what it is. Um, there's a couple of really striking visuals, like the restaurant uh, that they go to that is filled with humanitarians because they eat humans. <laughs> is, that, is that the one run by the pig demon? Or is that... Run by the pig yeah. demons. And all the, the meat is human. And it's it's really well done, that scene, where they kind of like show you that this bumbling goof of the character you've been falling he sees through all the lies when others didn't. So that was well done. And and there's moments of really thought out filmmaking in this. It had to be hard to adapt something as beloved as Journey to the West. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's one of those. It's like such a giant blind spot in my my world media knowledge of like, I, I like hearing about the classic stories of antiquity of different countries and cultures. You know, what is the the thing yeah well, like we have the iliad but it's not like we all know the story of the iliad you just grab someone off the street and be like give me the basics of the iliad <laughs> yeah no be like there's greeks in it um <laughs> but yeah journey to the west is like oh yeah everyone knows something about the story or these you know these characters there have been other stories about these characters they've been spun off for hundreds of years and the movie was just ridiculously entertaining because yeah stephen chow he's got he's got a very western cartoon sensibility oh yes which you definitely see in like yeah kung fu hustle or uh shaolin soccer oh shaolin soccer Mm -hmm. my god yeah and but he melds that with sort of the uh grandeur of the idea that this is like an epic story also just like there's a there's always something crazy going on Mm. and it yeah and it is visually really really beautiful so yeah journey of the west conquering the demons i haven't seen the sequel Directed mm-hmm. by Sweetheart, which I heard is not as good, but I've always this wanted one to see was this. really good. It was just impossible for a while. Um, and then also out this week, Stephen Merchant, Mini Driver, Simon Baker, Raf Rafa Spall. Am I saying that right? Riff Spall, uh, Anna Ferris, uh, Rose Byrne, and I give it a year. I give it a year. Oh, I really wish I had given it a chance. <laughs> I mm, ran out yeah, of time. Sorry, ran out of time too. Uh, because it sounds like an anti-rom-com and it's directed by a guy who co-wrote Borat and Bruno. Oh. And the reviews were like, they're trying. They're definitely trying to do something different in that it starts where most rom-coms end and is about how keeping a relationship together is hard. It isn't what rom-coms show you. Mm. So, yeah, it sounds like a, a good effort was made. Uh, great cast. Rose Byrne is totally uh, uh, not respected enough as a comedic actor. She is so fucking funny. When she is funny, she is so fucking funny. Um, so yeah, I didn't 
I didn't get to see I give it a year, but uh, it sounds very interesting. I mean, it was a tough Please. week. Put it, put it in comments if, if you liked it. Same with a movie I, I've always wanted to I see, wanna but it had some of the worst reviews I've ever seen from a film. Uh, but look at this cast. Mary Elizabeth Winstead, Aubrey Plaza, Patricia Arquette, Catherine Winnick, Bill Murray, Jason Schwartzman, and Charlie Sheen in a glimpse inside the mind of Charles Swan III. God damn it, Roman Coppola. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> using his sister's uh his sister's connections. Well, and some of his family members, Jason Sportsman. Every, yeah. Everything I've seen from Roman Coppola has had something really good in it, and then the rest of it just pissed me off. Was, I get him confused with David Bowie's son. Um what did he Duncan do? Duncan Jones? Yeah. He did the Warcraft movie. Um, yeah, Duncan <laughs> Duncan Jones did the Warcraft movie. He never has to work again. <laughs> but uh yeah, this is kind of like an artsier comeback for Charlie Sheen, but no, and yeah, every, like no one had a nice thing to say about yeah. it. And it's like, it, it seems like Charlie Sheen, especially at this point, was in a good position to do something self, what's the word I'm looking for? Hmm, selfless or? Self-referential self mm. in a way, but mm. like this is about a, ladies man and then he gets dumped and he doesn't know what he wants to do with his life and he starts having these nightmares and has to reevaluate his life it's like well this sounds like if the material were right you would win a goddamn oscar for this yeah yeah but no yeah, i mean this thing no, got no one this thing no, got panned no and because i i thought like this looks like something Carl charlie kaufman should make and then i saw the reviews and like ugh. Oh no. Uh, oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Did not see it. Uh but yeah. wanted to this movie I'd never heard of. David uh Cost Costable, uh Vanessa Vanessa Shaw, Catherine Zeta Jones, Channing Tatum, Jude Law, Rooney Mara, and Side Effects. Side effects. I'm Dr. Banks. Something's been going with you. I met this guy, Martin. He swept me off my feet. The perfect couple. You remember this beautiful lady? She looks amazing. She's doing well. The perfect medication. I finally have some energy. The perfect murder. How far would you go? Em, what is going on? You know I'm not crazy. To prove your innocence. Somebody else did it and made it look like me. Either she's a murderer or she's the victim of her medical treatment. Someone gets punished. Side effects. Oh. That's what a yeah. that's a fun topic. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh no, this was really good. This really? is, yeah, one of those uh, one of those movies like Steven Soderbergh keeps saying, "I'm not going to make a movie." Oh, actually, I made four, and I didn't even tell you. Uh. Here you go, <laughs> and it's it's him with the writer of Contagion, and um, it's uh, it goes well with Gone Girl. It's mm. that kind of movie. Mm. Anyone else watch it or no? No, no, I didn't get to it. No, sorry. Tell me more, Doc. Yeah, no, it's it's a <laughs> it's a solid thriller. You spend a lot of time not knowing. All right, at least one of y'all is a murderer, <laughs> but who's doing it and why? Because yeah, they kind of explain Rooney Mara is married to Channing Tatum, and he's just getting out of prison for like insider trading. She starts trying different antidepressants because she's having all these problems. They put her on this experimental one. And then, okay, spoiler alert, she kills Channing Tatum. And now it's, well, did her doctor set her up? And which mm. one? Because she had two. Like, is this 
was this some sort of complicated hit on Channing Tatum? And if so, why? And what does the drug have to do with it? Mm. And it's, it's a, not super twisty turning, but just enough that I was like, oh, that, oh, that's why she said that, that kind of movie. God yeah, damn. side effects, I, I thought it was, it was real good for some of this pretty small low key. Yeah, the last Soderbergh movie I saw was Unsane, and it sounds like it shares a little DNA with it. So I'd love to check this out instead of the yeah. movie I did check out. Yeah, mm. and like side effects just came and went, and nobody fucking noticed, and it's really no. solid. And then this goddamn movie. How? Okay, the goddamn pr- promotion, and I'm so disappointed again. Yeah, I guess it speaks to like how well the movie machine used to work. Clark Duke, John Cho, Amanda Peet, Melissa McCarthy, and Jason Bateman. It's number one at the box office and makes a ton of money. Identity Thief. My identity's been stolen. Every day I'm hustling, hustling, hustling. Sandy Bigelow. Patterson. I have to clear my name. You don't chase criminals. That number right there is your height. It's Hobbit height. I'm going after Bilbo. You were going to come with me. Do it the hard way or the easy way. You got nothing. I love that guitar. I got no money. I got no time. I've got no pants. Whose pants are these? I took them off a dead hobo, so. The guy died in these? Good fit, huh? Identity thief. Identity thief. Uh, Like, I I was like, I I love Jason Bateman and even bad Jason Bateman comedies. Like, I just pretend he's Michael Bluth. And it it, it always (laughs) works a little better. And you can totally do that with this movie because he's a hardworking company man whose identity gets stolen and somehow they want to fire him for that and so he's he's got to go down and track down the identity thief in florida and bring her back to colorado it is very clearly not colorado and (laughs) and, yeah and uh bring her back and then shenanigans ensue because she's a lifelong con artist with a lot of people chasing her and a lot of things coming home to roost yeah, I, I gave up after watching about half of this. It's long! It is two hours. Yeah. Like, why? It, it, <laughs> this does not need to be a two-hour movie. This is a 90 minutes get-in, get-out film. Uh, the jokes weren't funny enough. I can see no. what they were trying to go for, but no, and I'm it, sorry. Led There's to, nothing worse than an unfunny comedy. To derail this segment entirely, it it kind of presents... It's a very good 10-year-old comedy in that it presents identity theft as the biggest problem we're all undergoing in our lives. And I know we were, a lot of us were scared. I know that happened to my mother. I was going to ask if any of that happened to you. Did your identity get stolen for any reason? Not that I know of. Yeah. My, my mom's everything got compromised from her checks to her. It's it's her fault. You can't, all the toolbars I have to uninstall on her computer every time I'm over there suggest she gives too much of her information out to things. But like my card got compromised, but I do believe identity theft will be like probably one of the biggest forms of crime <laughs> at some point. And I think Florida might be at the epicenter of it, but uh, yes, it's, it's the epicenter of everything, but it, it never happened to anyone I knew. Um, like I never knew anybody who got who, like serious identity theft on this level. Yeah, but if they yeah, well, did, would they comedy. travel? <laughs> if they if they did, would they travel half you know most of the way across the country to basically kidnap a person under no authority? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean this isn't it. it the, plot, the point of it is it, the entire setup is idiotic. And here's where I would point out it is written by Craig Mason, who everyone <laughs> yes. is blowing right now because of <laughs> the Last of Us. And I'll remind you, he wrote and directed superhero movie and Chernobyl. What Chernobyl and yes. superhero movie? Yes. What the fuck? <laughs> Chernobyl's yeah. one of the best things in the last 10 years. Oh I my know. God. He started out in shitty comedy. Wow. He wrote a bunch of shitty comedy. And then 
finally noticed, oh, maybe I'm not good at shitty comedy. Maybe I'm really good at hard drama. Yeah, thoughtful <laughs> drama. Yeah. So, yeah, he wrote Identity Thief. And um, look, we've talked about planes, trains, and automobiles. We've talked about Midnight Run. And people keep trying. They try yeah. so hard. Mm -hmm. And they miss over and over and over. Why? It shouldn't be that hard. But, God, it is. Yeah, especially this is just with... not funny, man. Uh -huh. And I love these people and I want better for them. I think the lasting legacy of this, honestly, is um, everyone finally noticing that Rex Reed fucking blows. <laughs> because this is the movie. His entire review is about how he thinks Melissa McCarthy is too fat to be in movies. And wow. he hates looking at her. And everyone lost their shit of like, what the fuck? Fuck. Yeah, maybe we don't in, throw to you on Entertainment Tonight anymore. <laughs> yeah, in Year of Our Lord 2013, could could we, if you want to mention her weight, you you get to do it once. I, that's the but, most interesting thing I read about the movie is that it was supposed to be a man, and Jason Bateman huh. and the producers saw her in Bridesmaids and like, fuck this, let's go Melissa McCarthy. And that's smart. Totally recast the part. But, but God, she's not very so, funny in this. So she, I, I see her in movies no. where she's hilarious all the time, and this is not really one of them. There are a couple smilers in this, but like for the most part, not really. Uh, no, yeah. I, would, I would skip. I, Move it. on. Skip it. There we go. Yeah. In, into watch, TV. Watch, this, watch Spy. That movie's Spy is so good. Uh, into TV of 2013, February 3rd through the 9th. Hawaii Five O aired an updated remake of the original series episode Hookman using the same scripts and locations from the 1973 version. What a cool idea. <laughs> oh. This is such a weird thing. I would have like expected this during the writer's strike. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, just like, wow. okay, we don't, we <laughs> legally can't do the writers. We still own the rights to these scripts. Let's just shoot them shot for shot. Same locations, everything. That would be amazing. But, uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'd be imagining like a, a bunch of 80 year olds in nursing homes with checks dropping into their lap, like nonstop. <laughs> Whoa, what happened? Yeah, we remade your uh, we remade your uh, Twilight Zone. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a decent idea for again a show I've never fucking seen. It's one of those. Is it? it was it nine seasons? nine seasons? Yeah, nine seasons of being one of the highest rated shows on television. That's, that's, CB, that's CBS for you, and by you, I mean very very old people. Uh, mm. <laughs> but a great theme song. I do like uh, Daniel Day Kim. Basically, got cast on Lost and Hawaii Five O. I wondered if he like hates Hawaii now, like <laughs> just trapped. No, down I there think he's your... living his best life. Yeah, he's just like who yeah. hates Hawaii? I got to spend twenty years making millions in Hawaii. What uh, is a, a New York City boy and like uh, misses all his uh, his uh, Broadway shows and his and his. Well, he wouldn't miss sushi. That's plenty of that in Hawaii. Yeah, fuck it. What would yeah. you miss about the rest of the world in Hawaii? No. Oh, nothing. Christmas, maybe you miss snow. I mean, I guess it's the hard thing in Hawaii. It's a five-hour flight to get to the mainland. That's true. That's a long flight. But, yeah, who cares? It's fucking Hawaii. Hawaii. You can leave me there forever right now, and I would appreciate it. I would yeah. build a statue in your honor. Uh, also on TV this week, the Jenny McCarthy show debuts on VH1, which very much confused me for a second. Cause, yeah, yeah, this is the second... Jenny McCarthy show with the exact same um, name, even with the exact same name. <laughs> I think even Steve I Allen was more careful, why. and Bob Newhart were more careful with their titles than this. But this yeah. is her talk show, not her sketch comedy show with Melissa McCarthy, Correct. her cousin on it. Her cousin, yes, mm. your cousins, yeah, cousin. Uh, but this is her talk show that I only saw. I don't know how well regarded it was, but it kind of ended because the View came a calling for Jenny McCarthy, and just like 
this is going to pay you eons more <laughs> and you'll be seen by a way of more eyes and effectively canceled mm-hmm. the show because she left it yeah. for the view. Super Bowl, superb owl is this week. We can't even say it. The Baltimore Ravens beat the San Francisco 49ers. No, not again. I, yeah, but who cares about that part? The halftime show. The halftime okay, show. Well, first of all, there's a power outage in the second half. Yeah, that's right. And, and everyone's sitting around like, what? What? <laughs> Which I hadn't like seen since that like went out. that eighty six World Series earthquake. I'd never seen that happen before. But I also don't yeah, watch a lot of sports. Everything, everything's got to stop. There's a power outage. Sorry. Uh, what are we gonna do? Budweiser's got commercials know. to run. <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. The commercials would run, and then they'd come back. Nope, nope. Power's still out. Everyone, we don't know what to do. Here's some players standing around. Okay, back to commercials. <laughs> <laughs> um, but the halftime show is literally the moment where I was like, okay, I'm. I'm ride or die for Beyonce. It's an amazing, yeah. amazing performance. She's got the rest of Destiny's Child. She's dressed in homage to Michael Jackson that we talked about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. his 93 performance. And Fox News lost their shit because, like, she's dressed as, like, a militant Black Panther because she's got bandoliers on. It's... And, like, um, shut the fuck up, you little bitches. Yes. It's been a wonderful ongoing yeah. process trying to watch mainstream right-wing entertainment try and take down Beyonce and having it never ever work Uh, you can't can't. do it because dear lord does she put on a show Mm. it's i'm exhausted whenever i watch her put on a live performance now she works supermodel Um, oh it's so good look it up if if you didn't see it look it up on youtube because it is it is up there as one of the best halftime shows ever i saw that and the thing i I don't want to say too begrudgingly watched because I was just happy to have more community. The community season four premiere, History 101, the gas leak year begins. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I rewatched like the first three episodes of the gas leak year Mm -hmm. and it's off, man. Yeah, it is. I, I think the criticisms are really valid. It's not like horrible. It's not god awful. But the spark is gone. The magic is not there. It's they're right to call it the gas leak year. It, yeah. it seems off. Yeah, I think there's like yeah. one or two episodes you might want to save in a fire. And that's it's, what's weird is that it's the scrub guys, I think, coming into showrun community. And it's like, it's perfectly acceptable in like any other comedy or comedy, a comedy like eight years beforehand. But community was doing, was so weird and quirky and different. It just didn't work at all. But it was more character focused. I guess I can give it that. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. some really really good episodes though people just say like oh well dan Harmon's there so the whole thing sucks and it's like no that's that's not fair don't don't look at it that way i mean yeah it opens history 101 which is a hunger games episode where they all compete so they can get into (laughs) the class history of ice cream um but it's, it's got some really good episodes we can talk about as we as we get to them though sure Advanced documentary filmmaking. Yes. Is one of the best ones. Chang- and I'm sorry, you got to deal with it. Chang- uh, I will put that on the list then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've always, I've never been able to, I watched every episode as it aired and maybe one more time before the new episode, as was the way back then. But I've never gone back and rewatched it on my streaming binges. And maybe I, maybe no? it's time I give it some, yeah, yeah, maybe it's time. I, yeah, I skip it just because like, um, I, you know, in a 13 week plus period, it felt like, fuck, this is going to get canceled. And it's whatever the new showrunners, it's the new showrunners fault. And you, you just felt the sense of dread watching the show. It wasn't that I was rooting against people to fail because they're not Dan Harmon. 
Mm. But it just, it was my, kind of my favorite show on the air at that point. And yeah. I'm, so, I'm utterly shocked it got another season after this. I really am. It doesn't make any yeah. sense. Yeah, that is a good point that it did feel like, oh, this is, this is just going to fall apart and then it's going to be gone. But it wasn't. But it and wasn't. There, and the movie's and coming. And there's some good episodes in this season. You should not just write it off. But a little, little bit of step down in quality. Yes. And e. then we got uh, moving into games of 2013. Fire Emblem Awakening for 3DS, which I recall being kind of awakening for that series. That was when it became much less of a niche title in the States. And people, and there was like a massive shortage of physical copies of this game. And people were like, do I download this in my 3DS? Is this environment going to support my purchases? Like, no, but it's the only way to get it for a while. But Fire Emblem Awakening. I never got into Fire Emblem. Still haven't yet, but this is when a lot of people I know did Fire Emblem Awakening, Awakening for 3DS, and uh, also with every beginning there's an end. And uh, Dead Space Three out for PC, PS360, uh, EA starting to take non-sports games franchises seriously, uh, dedicated to this horror franchise and. Dead Space 3 is kind of compromised and wants to be everything to every gamer because I guess the series didn't sell as much as EA expected in this beginning. Didn't this like turn into like a co-op game where like, you know, Dead Space is a horror game sort of meant to be experienced solo. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's it's definitely not remembered the fondest of mm-hmm. the Dead Space games. It's bizarre that it, it's coming out almost 10 years to the day of the Dead Space remake. Which um, yeah. Mr. Diana Goodman is probably rocking somewhere right now. <laughs> and then also we have Afterburner Climax on iOS, the beloved, for me anyway, Sega series. Probably, I don't know about Diana and JR, but I think a lot of young boys grew up kind of obsessed with jet planes, like the, the Top Gun variety. And I don't think there was a game series that served that better in the 80s and early 90s than Afterburner. No, mm-hmm. no. Afterburner had such amazing graphics in the 1980s. They just blew you away. But once that stopped being a big selling point, yeah. the series really didn't have anywhere to go except for your nostalgia dollars on iOS. On iOS. And it's always the problem. You know, you need tight controls to play <laughs> this type of game, and it's on iOS. These two things do not go together. Why don't, why don't you tilt your iPod Touch? How about that? Let's control it like that. I'm sure that's how it worked. But I think it might have been available on other platforms as well. Let us know in the comments um, on uh, lasertimepodcast.com or in our Facebook group, Twitter. Yeah, thanks so much to our patrons at patreon.com slash lasertime. We have one. We got to tell you who died, and we'll have a quiz you can play along with who lived. But just a couple of plugs. Five bucks on Patreon. Bunch of free podcasts. Thanks for your support. We definitely need it now more than ever. It's uh, everyone's tightening their belts a little bit. So, you know, if you got some extra, you want some extra podcasts, you want to support uh, a, a small podcast network, please do it with us. Patreon.com slash laser time. We'll give you stuff in return. Promise. Sick of Star Wars, 80s in depth, uh, talking a lot about Superman for some reason that I won't complain about at all, especially with all the new DC announcements and bad movies from 30, 40 years ago. Uh, but anyway, Diana, where can folks find you at? They can find me on the Twitter at listenanerd, L-E-C-I-N-E-N-E-R-D, or follow the show at 302010podcast, that's 302010podcast. And coming up next week, all right, we're out of the January doldrums, and we got some heavy hitters coming. We've got a Die Hard movie, 
Asterisk. I think it's the worst one. Mm, shit. We have Ben Affleck first time as a superhero. Oh, boy. Mm. Uh, we have oh boy. Uh, Nicolas Cage fighting himself literally this time instead of just internally battling himself. <laughs> and uh, I think the big news is we got Groundhog Day. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, oh, I forgot. We have Groundhog Day. Hey, look at that. Put your little hand in mine. <laughs> Quite possibly. And, 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 and we have the gloopiest messiest game show ever hosted by someone with obsessive compulsive hey. disorder about cleanliness ending that's a bummer jean-luc picard dies wow i choo choo choose you Oof. and to wrap it all up a gay episode of seinfeld not that there's anything wrong with that not at all no. <laughs> oh did i mention we have groundhog day Gra Groundhog Day. <laughs> Put your booties on because it's cold outside. Uh, yes, quite possibly. Never mind. We'll talk about it then. That's very, very exciting. Uh, cannot wait till next week. Tell a friend about the show if you can. Die. Who died during this period of 30, 2010? February 3rd to the 9th, 30, 2010 years ago. Oh, God damn. Oh, 1993 is when we lost Arthur Ashe, who is 49. Uh, he is the first, I think, only black man to win the single title at Wimbledon, U.S. Open, and wow. the Australian Open. Uh, died from complications of AIDS. He received a blood transfusion in, like, 1982 before they had a test wow yeah it's so goddamn unfair um yeah being being a black guy in a white sport in the 70s must have been great yeah oh. i'm sure no one ever said anything rude to him ever Ugh. yeah he's freaking amazing and then uh also in 1993 we lost uh writer director joseph l mankowitz who was 83 <laughs> mank not that mank mank's brother Thanks, brother. But he did freaking all about Eve, man. And the Barefoot Contessa, Letter to Three Wives, Ghost of Mrs. Muir. Uh, he's a sleuth. Yeah, he's he's one of the best filmmakers the classic Hollywood folks all appreciate. And you probably didn't know his name. I knew Mank. Yeah, you should check out all of those. Yes, thank you very much. And with the deaths out of the way, GR, what do we have? It's time for the birthday quiz. Birthday is a birthday time. Born February 6, 1931, in Temple, Texas, at the age of 69. Nice. Nice. He was arrested and charged with carrying a firearm without a permit, carrying a firearm while intoxicated, first-degree burglary, second-degree criminal trespassing, and third-degree criminal mischiefs. Is his name a verb? Yes. Okay. <laughs> keep going and let's. Let... I'm going to keep going. Uh, okay, after making, after moving to Hollywood, he made his debut in the 1956 film Baby Doll. Oh. Okay. Okay. Films of his we've talked about include Defending Your Life, ah, Disney yeah. Hercules. Um, Freddie got fingered. <laughs> oh, no. And of course, he starred in the Larry Sanders show and the Men in Black films. Yes. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, rip torn. Two verbs. Yeah. 
yes, love my rip. 69. That's pretty late to be getting up into that much shit. Yeah, dude. And like, <laughs> if you don't recall, there's video footage of it. And it like. No, I didn't know there's I, video I, I think of there, it. You know what? what? I, maybe I'm incorrect in mistaking it of that footage of Artie getting drunk and wandering around the studio at night. Which uh, <laughs> is still golden. The, yeah. I, yeah, it was it was a bizarre tale because I, I do believe he was hammered out of his mind. But walking right. into is a... Is the one where he... Yeah, he broke into a bank and thought it was his house? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and his defense was, I'm no gunslinging bank robber. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> sure. I did use that excuse and some white privilege to get a friend out of similar charges one time is when he set off a bank alarm. Does this drunk asshole look like he was robbing a bank? Holy shit. He's wearing a Misfits t-shirt. It's not armed. (laughs) It is so weird that like, yeah, we think of him as, yeah, a wacky drunk guy or, you know, this funny comedy guy, hard ass, whatever. It's like, he was like such a big thing with the actor's studio and like method acting and, you know, uh, was in premieres of a bunch of Tennessee Williams plays. I think, I want to say Sweet Bird of Youth, I think he was in the original cast. Like, Yeah. You see him young, and you're like, okay, first of all, when he is young, he's already like 50. But <laughs> it's still like, oh, shit. Damn, he was he was a good-looking guy, too, and he's a hell of an actor. But, yeah, man, man when, he finally aged into, like, who he needed to be. Right, right. Like, because, I mean, it's not just because of our show. His biggest roles were all in the twilight of his, relatively to the twilight of his life. Um, yeah, that's yeah. where he made his mo- most yeah. of his money. Yeah, well, he did. He did a ton of stage, so yeah. you know we don't get to see that. But I mean, uh, Rip Torn, yeah. baby. Again, defending your life is of... one of my most recommended movies of all time. It is absolutely wonderful. So so yeah. good. I'm trying to think of like an early Rip Torn that I can recommend. I guess I think he's in Cincinnati Kid, and he's pretty young. Really, and he's like, damn. <laughs> For me, nothing will top uh, the Larry Sanders show. Yeah. He is like perfect <laughs> for that role. I mean, I literally don't think a single human could have played Artie as well as he played Artie in that show. It's awesome. It's just awesome. I love his character. Kind to Larry, merciless to Hank, uh, rallying the troops of the rest of the crew. It's just wonderful <laughs> being able to play all those parts in one one character. Uh. Yep. Oh, uh, anyway, that don't, about con- don't make him like that anymore. Rip torn. Also, also, I like the top of his Wikipedia page says not to be confused with Rip Taylor. No, not at all. <laughs> no, he is not. I would I would have been fine with him closing out all three Jackass movies, but that, that, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fine. Uh, so, him to him. Uh, sorry, R.I.P. to Rip. Never mind. Uh, yeah. Uh, that about concludes our show. Tell a friend. Patreon.com slash later time. Is this from last week? We're going to close out with some Tegan and Sarah? Yeah, we yeah. bumped it last week. Yeah, JR bumped it with his comedy music. <laughs> <laughs> we'll close out with some Tegan and Sarah. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. The night sky is changing Getting